Amen. Last week we talked on drifting, and uh, sometimes uh, uh, preachers and teachers and so forth, when they communicate God's Word, uh, the impression is that I'm way up here, and you're down there, and this is what you ought to do. Well, uh, that's not the way that I uh, preach things. I think you can preach to yourself, uh, for yourself, as well as to the people. And so I identify with people because we are all in the same boat, right? We're, uh, we're flesh and blood. We have spirit. We are spirit. We also uh, have a physical body. And so we have various needs. But uh, this matter of drifting, as we mentioned to you last week, and I'm not going to preach it over again, a couple of things about it is that uh, drifting doesn't require much of an effort. You just get there, lay back, you want to sleep, dream, whatever you want to do, the tide will gently carry you away. Uh, uh, Sometimes the undercurrents that aren't even noted, hardly noticed, uh, are a little stronger than what you think. And before you know it, you've arrived at a place that you never attended to be at. So you can't drift against the tide. I guess that's not very profound, but it's true. If uh, uh, you think you can make progress by drifting, forget it. It takes real effort. Jesus said, the kingdom suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force, right? Paul said, fight the good fight of faith. As a soldier, endure hardness, you know, for the Lord. So you have to resist sometimes the devil, the flesh, and the world, and put on the whole armor of God. Most people would testify if they were in a river, and there was a falls up ahead that as time goes on, uh, the drift, the um, speed of the drift becomes uh, increased until after a while it's almost a runaway. And then finally, with drifting, um, uh, <clears throat> there's a... Um, usually ends in, you know, a shipwreck over the falls or, or something. Uh, it is not without consequences. And we mentioned the fact to you that drifting, how do I know I'm drifting? Well, if you have a diminished desire to read God's Word, diminished desire to pray, diminished desire to go to God's house, um, I'm the diminished desire to worship and claim God's promises. And it's because something is pulling at you and it's not the Spirit of God. This old world has a pull to it. Don't you doubt it? Amen? How many people know that? I guess all of us have felt the pull of the world for some time. So uh, we had mentioned it there about Samson. I'm not going to repeat the whole message, but I think we got to the place where Samson fell asleep on uh, Delilah's lap, and he didn't even know it. Uh, They were shearing his locks, and they say, what power was there in the hair? It wasn't in the hair, but he was a Nazarite. And this was a sign of his consecration. So when he lost his consecration, he lost his power. And so will you, and so will I. Amen? 
awful quiet. It's the absolute truth. Well, I better move away from that. Uh, thank God Samson was restored and had a great ministry, but he had gone through a lot of things until that period of restoration, namely put out his eyes, they bound him, put him in a prison, and then he had to grind away on a monotonous job around and round and round. And eventually, of course, came from there to the temp to their uh, arena, and God's spirit returned to him. So, but I, today I want to continue about it being in the boat. But this is a little bit different. Uh, it started with a drift, but it turned into be more than a drift. How many people have ever, ever read the book of Jonah? Yeah. You know, if you didn't raise your hand, that's all right. I went to Bible school, and I didn't know too much. Still don't know a whole lot. But uh, I met a guy. I guess I call him a wise guy. He said, uh, what do you think of the book of Hezekiah? And I said, well, uh, you know, I sounded like it was in the Bible, but it's really not a book. And I said, well, I don't know. I don't think I've read too much about it there. And then he, of course, had to spring that thing on me. But the reason I ask about Jonah, because Jonah was a man that apparently a prophet. He was anointed by God. He communicated God's message to people, and it was sometimes believed, sometimes received, but many times it was doubted. And uh, this time, the Word of God came to him, and we'll read it here, Jonah chapter 1. Now the Word of the Lord came unto Jonah, uh, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So I'd like to talk to you about a drifter on board a ship going to Tarshish. The Bible says the word of the Lord came to him. And you know, it's always uh, kind of refreshing and inspiring and a real blessing when that word is of a positive nature, right? You will be blessed or something like that, and God will use you in a mighty way. I mean, somehow that becomes really ex uh, acceptable to us and really feel good about it. But how many know that in the Bible, sometimes everything doesn't give you a good feeling? Right? Well, at least to Jonah it didn't. He didn't like the sound of that going to Nineveh because that was a wicked, wicked place, evil. And uh, there was a racist, I guess, that Jonah was one of them. He said, I'm not going. I know God. He's merciful, and he's liable to turn his mercy on, his grace on, and forgiveness on, and some good things are going to happen over there, and I don't want to have any part of it. So... Uh, he went down to Joppa. You know, I talk to people at times, and they seemingly want to serve the Lord, but they don't really want to. Uh, there's some things in the Scripture that really bother them, and uh, they have a way of trying to get around it by thinking it doesn't mean them, it doesn't mean what it says. Well, let me tell you something, friends. Uh, it does mean what it says. 
When it says thou shalt not steal, it means that. You can't make anything else but that, right? All right? It tells us love the Lord your God. I mean, it. on and on it goes. But sometimes people take God's word and say, I don't want that. You know, let me read something else. Let me read about the Lord as my shepherd. I shall not want him maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Oh, I love to hear things like that. But when God asks us to do something, sometimes... Well, that's not my, uh, that's not in line with the way I like to do things. There was a man in the Bible in the book of Jeremiah was a king, and uh, they brought a scroll to him, which was God's word at that time for him to read. And uh, we are told that uh, he took this word in Jeremiah 36, 33, and he did a very strange thing with it. As he began to read it, he took out a pen knife, and he began to cut those pieces out and throw it in the fire. He'd read some more, and he'd cut that out, and he'd throw it in the fire. Well, you know what happens after a while. The whole thing is consumed in a fire. But I wasn't there, but I can tell anybody today that takes a pen knife and tries to cut things out of God's Word and throw it in the fire. You can throw it in the fire, you can throw it in the water, but you can't burn it and you can't drown it. You may ignore it, but it's still there, right? Amen. It's still there. God still speaks to us. The Bible is quick. The Word of God is quick, powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides asunder soul and spirit. <clears throat> and of the joints and marrow, discerning of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Amen. So that's it. It's a powerful, powerful thing. But Jonah didn't want anything to do with it at all. He forgot something. John 3.16 hadn't been written, that's for sure. But God's message was still there. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever liveth, believeth in him shall never perish. Whosoever, that's for everybody. That's God's love. God loved the Ninevites. He loved those people. He said there was 120,000 of them that didn't know, couldn't discern the right hand from the left. Some of the historians tell us that it is the largest city of its kind with several hundred thousand. So I don't know how many people were there, but if there's only one there, God loves them. God loved them enough, right? And so Nineveh, um, this was not on um, Jonah's agenda. He wanted to turn the page on that. And uh, so let's go on the next page. But you don't turn pages on God. How many people have found that out? You know, the here you are, we're front and center. And uh, we are, everything is open to God. We can't pull a fast one. We may ignore it and so forth, but it's still there, okay? Jonah rose up and to flee from the presence of the Lord. You, How dumb can you get? You're not fleeing from God's presence. He's everywhere present and he's nowhere absent. Amen? He's omniscient. You got some words like that. Omniscient. Everywhere present, nowhere absent. Omnipotent. All-powerful. 
He's not uh, <clears throat> lacking in one particular area at all. All power in heaven and earth is given to him. He's more than that. He's all-knowing. He knows everything. Everything, not only that in the past, we can hardly remember what happened yesterday. Oh, you'll get there someday, too. Uh, but he knows everything that ever happened, knows what's going on now, and knows the future. He knows it all. You cannot hide from God. And who would want to? But I'll tell you, you can reach a place in the drift where God's, the appeal of God's presence it even leaves you, and something else consumes you and takes its place. Terrible, terrible state to get into. When we lose God's presence, you know you lose a lot of stuff. You lose God's peace. You lose God's joy. You lose God's power. You lose God's blessing. I mean, the list is a mile long. You lose it. It's gone. Samson said, he wist not that the Spirit of the Lord had departed from them. You know, sometimes you have to look in the Bible and see how people <clears throat> felt about the presence of God. Like Moses, after the Israel had sinned, he was praying to God. And this is what he said. God, if your presence doesn't go with us, we're not going up. We're not. Why? Because he knew the power and the blessing of the presence of God. Samson wist not that the spirit of the Lord had departed from him. I mean, it's a bad Bad scene, that's for sure. David said, Take not thy, <clears throat> create me a clean heart, renew a right spirit. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Oh, I mean, on and on and on. But uh, you become insensitive after a while to the things of God and the presence of God, and you count it as a light thing. God help us. God help us. In the... Uh, Scripture, we read that God has a plan, God has a purpose for everybody, every life. Maybe you in the King James, it's a little tough to read, but in uh, Psalm 139, if I can locate it here, uh, we are told that before we were even born in our mother's womb, God had already scheduled or ordained, fashion is the word used there, but he scheduled the days of our life. Can you believe that? Amen. Until some surgeon's knife comes and destroys that. But God has a purpose for everybody's life. You say, well, I'm not a preacher. I'm not an evangelist. I'm not this, that. Let me tell you something. You are a, you, you're a soul for whom Christ died. Believe it or not, like it, lump it, dump it, whatever you want to do, God has a plan for your life and for mine. Amen. Oh, well, I'm not a preacher. So what? You, if you're born again by the Spirit of God, God's got a big plan for you. Well, where does it start? It starts with this. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The first line on the, on the plan, on the page, is for you to be born again. Amen?
He wants you saved, that's for sure. He wants you to be filled with the Spirit. He wants to give you a life that hungers and thirsts after righteousness. He wants give he puts a desire there to see others born into God's kingdom, to do everything you possibly can, to be faithful in living and so forth and serving in best way you know how. It's all planned out there. Got a scripture. Oh, this one sounds like it to me. In the book of Jeremiah 29, it reads, In the NIV, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Let me tell you, friend, that is just as true as God so loved the world. Amen? Plan for you, plan for me, a purpose for you. Sometimes we get it mixed up. Sometimes we try to get around it. Some people wreck it to ruin it and so forth. But the plan is still out there for your life and for mine. Went to school with a fella. He was old enough to be, you know, most of us are 18, 20 years old. I'm in Bible college. And at this band, he was old enough to be our dad. And uh, kind of thought, well, you got a late start here. But I didn't say that. But he told us one day the reason he had a late start. He was in Bible school, and uh, he met this girl. You know, they tried to tell him, Johnny, you are heading for trouble, big-time trouble. You couldn't talk to him. You couldn't persuade him at all. He left school, married this girl for a while. Didn't seem to be too bad, but all of a sudden, things began to unravel. He began to think about the ministry, and oh, he realized where we are at. We're not going into any ministry. And he said, it got so bad, bitterness and anger, the whole shebang. He said one day, that's enough, that's enough. And they went to the divorce court, and he said, I wept, I cried, I tried to plead with God to do something about this. It seemed as if his back was turned. He wasn't listening to me at all. And I'll never forget, he said, let me tell you something. When God lifts his hand off your life, when his presence is gone, that is the most miserable feeling that anyone could ever have within their breast. God is gone. Thank God he reached a place where he called on the name of the Lord, and they didn't have this song written then, but the truth was there. That is the old the song that we sing, Mercy Rewrote My Life. Hey, what a song. Amen. Why don't you sing it? No. That's why we have ushers at the doors here. Keep you in here. Okay, so you don't run out. You know, that's not my gift. We know that. Okay, I'll tell you how bad it is. I was in a car. God bless my wife. I got a good wife. <laughs> and um, she stood by, by me. And uh, if anybody ever, if there's such a thing as a distinguished service cross for the ministry, she, she's a candidate for that, okay? She deserves it. Put up with me, you know, a lot of stuff. But 
I remember being in the car with her, and there's some other people, and they're all singers. If you want to feel like a speckled bird, get with some people that can sing, and you can't. I mean, they're talking about what key is that? Mm, you know, all that hum, all the stuff like that. I was driving a car. Oh, God, I wish they'd sing, do something else. They never invited me, never asked me, never gave me a... a you know, some notes on a piece of paper. If they did, it probably say, don't open your mouth. But I didn't even get that. And here they were. It's a terrible thing. But one thing I can remember is some lines of it. Thank God I don't know it all. I might try to sing, and that'd be terrible. But mercy rewrote Johnny's life. And he came back and found God and graduated. Great story. And went on to... Uh, uh, Serve the Lord. He might have sang that, some of that song. If I could live over the days that are past, I'd live them for Jesus, for Jesus, from the first to the last. I'd heed the old Bible and turn from the wrong. And if I was a, song, a songster, I'd know the rest, but I don't. That's it. And here is Jonah, out of the will of God. The Bible says he paid the fare. Let me tell you something. Uh, there, there's some <laughs> payment. When we miss God and we get on that old boat that's gone in the wrong direction, as far away from Nineveh as he could go. I don't know how much money he had to pay for his ticket, but let me tell you something. You pay and I'll pay if we miss the will of God for our lives. Amen. I see churches that have missed God's will for their life and they're paying a price for it. A lot of them are empty today. There's no message, no power, closed, and so forth. He paid the fare. Boy, step out of God's will. You pay something for it. Johnny, uh, Johnny S., that's all I'll say. He paid a big price for uh, out of the will of God for his, his life. <clears throat> he went down, paid the fare, got down in the hole of the ship or down below, and I'll tell you right now, disobedience to what God has for your life, my life, the church, the ministry here, whatever God has for us, when we fail that, we pay a price. We go down. We don't go up. We go down. Down where you can hear the waves and hear the storm and the whole thing and almost hit, hit bottom. He took this ship. <clears throat> you suppose it had a name? What do you think? Well, you know, one time I thought of it, but one time there was this minister, and uh, he's kind of new in the place. And um, uh, but every time you called him, they say, "Well, I'm sorry, today he's out on visitation." And they say, "Well, he said, that's good." Uh, a few days later, so I got to get to see him, and same thing, he's out on visitation. Well, he must be a busy man. I wonder when he has time to prepare sermons. I mean, just thinking, you know. Brett played the call the third time. He heard the same thing. He's out on visitation. Boy, okay, whatever. But one day, a man who was happened to be a neighbor, he didn't go to church, and he said, you know, I was down by the marina today, and this boat came in, and I looked, and lo and behold, it was your minister, and he had a string of fish. And uh, the man said, what was the name of the boat? 
How many people guessed it? You'd call it visitation. He's on visitation, all right. <laughs> I thought maybe you might think about that. Okay, so I don't know what kind of ship you're on. I hope it's <laughs> visitation. People have the right message to it. But I'd like to think that uh, if they had a name for that ship, it might call it ra <laughs> rationalization, almost couldn't say it, which simply means that you reason something to your liking. Amen? And that's exactly what Je Jonah was doing, and that's what many people do with the Word of God, with their life. They reason away until it suits their frame of reference. It suits them. I can live with that because of this. I don't go to church. I'm just as good as anybody else. Well, you know, look in the mirror. You probably find out you're not quite as good as you think you are. Amen? I don't need to do this. I don't need to do that. That's for other people to do. Let me tell you something, friend. You can rational away just about anything you want to, but you'll never, never change God's Word. It's there. Forget it. People have tried it, and it's never, never been done yet. There was a famous atheist, I think it's Voltaire, that had a library of books that he had written about his uh, atheistic view. There was no God, no God at all. This whole library of Voltaire died after a while. They auctioned off his whole library, big old thing. And they were lucky to get $100 for the whole thing. That's what people thought about it. Why? Because Voltaire's words against God just hit the wall, bounce off it. But God's word is eternal. It's everlasting. You can't destroy God's word. And so God said to, when he spoke to uh, Jonah to go, he meant that. Let's think about it for a while. Jonah had this in mind. Well, if I do preach out over there, what's going to happen? These people, God's so merciful, he might forgive these people. And, you know, then they'll only turn back anyhow. So there's no sense of me going. I'll just sleep on here. Let me tell you something. I said a moment ago, God has a plan. Do you know God has had a plan for Peckville Assembly of God for a long, long time? We only dropped in on it about 100 years ago, 13 years ago this Sunday that we're up here. But God had a plan for us. Amen. Bigger than I thought. I used to down to the other church, and God was good. We bought properties, and, you know, people saved, and a lot of nice things were happening. I had to outgrow those things, but I had no idea he'd take us up here on this highway. But I don't know about you. Maybe I'm a little crazy. Probably am. But I drive over on the other side of that ballpark over the or a ball field up on the hill, and I look out over this 25 acres up here on this main highway, and I can hardly believe it's us. 
but it is us. God had a plan. And when we come to the house of God and watch these altars almost every Sunday, people come forward to give their heart and life to Jesus. I never knew it'd be so big like that and see your faces happy, hear these children's ministry. Let me tell you something. I'm going to throw something in, in behind what they said. Never refer to the church of tomorrow with those kids. They're just as much a part of the church today as you are and I am. You say, well, they're only kids. Only kids. Let me tell you something. My grandson, the oldest grandson, got saved in a children's crusade, four years old. He told me how he felt when he went down to that altar. He felt like a big sinner. How could you be a big sinner at four years of age? I don't know. But they said, I felt that way. I repented of my sins. I got saved, and I've been saved all of these years, 30-some years. He's a preacher of the gospel, planted a church up in East Boston. Let me tell you, God can get to you, get to a child as well as an adult. As a matter of fact, I think he can do it easier. I, I believe it. Sometimes we put so much effort in adults, and we should. I mean, everybody has a soul. But thank God, we're in Peckville. We are putting some effort in kids and young people. They're the church of the living God today. Take them out of the church, and I'm telling you, we don't have much left. <laughs> you don't hear the kids complaining, moaning, and groaning, and so forth. This isn't right. That ain't right. They could do better. Let me just throw this in to you. The day that you begin to talk about those people or them in the church, let me tell you something. You're just like Jonah. You're in a ship going the wrong direction. You are part, we are part of the church today. It isn't us and them. It isn't that. It's, uh, it's all of us together, right? So there is no such thing. It might be in the minds of some people. Them people should do this. Why don't they do that? Who in the world are you talking about? You're talking about yourself, dummy. Wake up. You're part of it, okay? Boy, that didn't cost anything, did it? Whoa. But God had big plans for Nineveh and the ministry. Let me tell you something. Let me bring it down to you. Sometimes we forget that God's got big plans for our family. You said, not my family. They aren't even serving God. But let me tell you something. Jonah wasn't doing a very good job either, but God still had a plan for him to fulfill. And God has a plan for your family, and he has one for mine too. We have to put our prayers, our faith, our behavior, our desire on the front burner of our lives and say, listen, God's got a plan. I don't care where they are. I don't care if their alcohol has got them or the drugs has them or they're just wavering out there. I don't care what they have. God still has a plan for their life. And you're the key to seeing that it comes to pass. Don't leave it to the church. Don't leave it to friends, family. Don't leave it to an evangelist. Don't leave it to anybody. Stand up front and center and say, 
I accept the challenge. I accept the charge from God. God's got a plan for my kids. They may be 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years old. God still loves them. They don't love him, but they're going to because I believe God will bring them to the foot of the old rugged cross. Amen. Never quit. Never quit. Whoa. I say all that. Okay. Some people not have... Don't have a problem with um, rationalizing things, but they do have a problem if the title on the boat is preoccupation. What do you mean by that? Well, <clears throat> the Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all the other things will be added unto you. We sometimes get it backwards. And it's seeking everything first and trying to work God in at the last. I meet people that their greatest ambition in life is not to accomplish anything, not to serve God, not to be a blessing, not to be in God's house, taken apart, not, nothing like that at all. That's not even thought of. Preoccupied with selfishness, desires, God doesn't have a chance here because he's not first. If he's not first, he's probably last in somebody's life. To make, it, to make an impact on your family, make an impact in the community, God has to be number one. Amen. Number one. He has to be part. The kingdom of God and his face will I seek. But when we preoccupy our time with everything else, but God, sorry, the boat you're on is called preoccupation. It'll take you in the wrong direction. It'll keep you there too. I see people that, I don't want to start naming everything they're preoccupied occupied with. They're there. There's a good side to this story, to <clears throat> big fish. You see, you don't believe that, do you? Let me tell you, I told somebody I'd believe it. It had a modern kitchen in that bale, and that fish is, I would. Hardwood floors, LED lights, the whole thing. If that's the Bible said that, I'd believe it, because I believe every word in this book, cover to cover. Somebody said even the maps. Okay. But it didn't have all those things. God, he prepared a fish. He didn't say anything about a whale. He fished, he prepared, big enough, swallowed him. Three days. I don't know what kind of thoughts went through Jonah's mind, but I want you to know something. <clears throat> if I was in that situation, I'd do some thinking. I'd do some thinking. By the time some of those assets hit me, <laughs> I, I, you know, I said, Lord, I want to get out of here. Well, Jonah came to himself. His prayer to God was one of sorrow. He asked for God's forgiveness, and he became willing to do the will of God. Thank God God heard his prayer. The fish vomited him up. He couldn't even stand him because he was changed now. You know, I, I don't know. that Maybe I should. I'm a little different than other people, but 
I know that. But sometimes I, it looks a little funny. It sounds a little humorous to me. What in the world did he look like anyhow? How would you, what would you look like? Three days of acids burning at you. Slime. Seaweed. Coming out of that, landing on the shore. I'm sure he didn't have an Armani suit on or heart shaper marks, necktie, shirt, and cufflinks and rings. Didn't have that at all. And I thought to myself, when he got in the streets of Nineveh, no wonder people repented. That they thought, buddy, this is what happens to you if you, if you don't get right with God. No wonder he had revival. I don't know. I don't think. Maybe that didn't happen that way. But he preached the word of God. He said, Nineveh, you're going to burn. You're going to be destroyed in, in a, a short period of time, 40 days, whatever it was. You're going to be gone. But the wonderful thing happened that God knew would happen. That's why he sent him there. God had it in his mind that those souls were worth something, and so they turned wholesale to God. They even the king, he said, sent a decree out, no eating, no drinking, whether it's man, woman, beast, or child, or whatever it is, don't touch a thing. We've got to get right with God. They had a revival in that place. Wow. Not just a couple of people, but by the thousands they turn to the Lord. You say, what's that mean to us? Beckville Assembly of God, we're not in the, in the ocean. We're on Main Street out here on Route 6. But we've got a big harvest field, and God has big plans for this valley as well as your life, my life big things that he wants to do, and let's not get it in our head that God's going to save just those that we like. Let God do his work and save the whosoever will, right? Amen. Maybe we'll turn the valley. Maybe we'll turn the area over for God. I believe it's possible to have a revival that affects multitudes of people. You say, well, I don't know about that. Did you ever hear of the revival? that took place down at Pensacola, Florida. Did you ever hear Brownsville? Did you ever hear that? Did you know there were more people saved at those altars than are dwell in this whole valley from down below Wilkesbury all the way up here past Carbondale? At one time, we had three-quarters of a million people in this valley. I don't know how many are now. People keep moving here and moving here. We got a lot of people. Well, if every single person who lives in this valley got converted, we still wouldn't reach the number they had in Brownsville. See, wow. I mean, we got a big God, big God. Were they all from Brownsville? No, they weren't all from Brownsville. They came from all over the world. But God gave them a revival such as America has never seen before. We never had a revival that saved a million people, did we? If it did, let me know about it. I want to read about it. I want to hear about it. Never heard it before. God does big things. Hallelujah. Whoa. I don't want to be a Jonah. That's for sure. He prayed part of his prayer, of course, I forgot this part. He said, I remember, I considered the days of old. The psalmist said that. He said, remember, some of us need to get that old memory and look back where we maybe used to be with Jesus. 
Maybe when we were first saved, you say, well, I've grown since then. Thank God you have. But maybe, just maybe, you might be part of the church at Ephesus. God said, you know what? You've got a lot of good things going, but there's something you haven't got. You've left your first love. And this is what he said. Remember. Remember where you've fallen and repent. David said, I remember. Consider the days of old. I call them to remembrance. Jonah remembered better days, better ministries, and so forth. And because of that, God used that memory to stir his heart. And he realized, and some of these people realize that this is not, I'm not better than I used to be. I'm not because I've left somewhat off. I left some of my love for God, love for his people, and love for the lost. It's not burning there like it used to. So in the end of this message, and I only got in the few first verse, few verses here, but God's dealing with us, that's for sure. And the question we have to ask for God to draw us closer, and if we're not saved, to re-listen to it. I ask this question, what will it take to bring you to God? He said, well, he doesn't, he doesn't allow things. You've got to read that Bible with an open mind, and you'll find out that God doesn't just pat you on the back when you backslide, when you start drifting away. God doesn't, nice going, fella. Too bad, that is not that at all. God can send a storm like he did to uh, uh, Jonah. He can send a famine like he did to uh, Naomi when they left the house of bread. Bethlehem went down to Moab. God sent a famine there too. God sent a famine sometime, not of bread or water, but of the Word of God being real to your soul. And when that happens, friend, you're in big trouble, and so am I, if that ever takes place. You know, God has permitted people to go through some things to get their attention, that's for sure. But just think about it. What's it going to take that I'll become more than I am? that I won't be drifting on the ship of rationalization or preoccupation or, um, pre, um, you know, indifference or disobedience, whatever it happens to be. Whatever name they put on your boat, take it off and put on there Jesus only. I'm riding with him. He's in the back. He's sleeping okay, but he's got it all under control. He'll rebuke the winds of your life. He'll bring peace to you. He'll bring victory. He'll bring gladness. He'll bring usefulness, the whole thing. Jesus is still alive. He'll sleep, but he'll awaken and calm the storm. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you today that you are the master, you are the king of kings, you're the Lord of lords. All power in heaven and earth resides in you. God, we recognize today by your word that you have a great plan. You have a great purpose for us. That we just not, are not to spend our years as a tale is 
that is told. But God, as we write the story of our relationship with you and our ministries to our families, to friends, to this valley, through this church perhaps, wherever it happens to be, help us, God, take Get a hold of our hand. Help us to write those letters. Help us to print the page that will bring honor and glory to you. Help us to communicate the good word of God. Lord, we want to be part of that revival. We want to be part of that great outpouring. So, Jesus, use us. So, God, please don't refuse us and help us as we serve you in Jesus' name. While we're praying and looking to God, time is slipping away from us, but uh, maybe you're here today, you'd like to say by the upraised hand, preacher, I realize I've come to a place in light. I'm not backslidden, haven't turned my back on God, anything like that. But honest, I'm not where I used to be at one time. I see the boats going in the wrong direction. I like God to turn it around. Would you pray with me? Would you slip up your hand, take some real man, real woman? God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I wonder if you're here today and you'll say, you know, I never started. I feel like my life has been like Jonah. I just kept ran from God. I ran from his salvation. I ran from the cross. I ran from the resurrection. I ran from all of those things. But today I realize I need to make a turn. I need to turn the boat around. I need to get off this thing. I need to start going to my destiny and my purpose for living. Here I am. I'm not right with God, but I sure like an interest in your prayers. I'd like to be right with God. Would you slip up your hand? Maybe you're here. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Hey, guys, we hope you enjoyed that message. And if you did, take a photo of yourself listening and tag us on social media at Peckville Assembly of God. We'll see you next time. And remember, we love you, God loves you, and may God's richest blessing be yours.